Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Amen. Well, with all the snow that we've had, I, I don't know about you, but I, 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 I have a tendency to want to, you know, uh, check the weather apps and uh, take a look and say, what's the temperature supposed to be outside? I'm, I'm hoping that we have some warm-up this week. Anybody hoping for a little bit of warm-up to melt some of this snow? I think this time of the year, we, we, uh, we kind of follow along and and uh, we want to know what the temperature is. How many of you are, are longing for the temperatures of summer? You like it hot, right? Yeah, you, you want to, some of you are like longing if I could just go south right now, right? I just want to go somewhere south right now. I'd like to be uh, a little bit warmer. And then when we get a little bit warmer in the summertime, we're like, man, it's too hot. How many prefer when it's cooler outside, right? We like when it's cooler. We like when it's hotter. Uh, I, how many of you, uh, the thermostat in your home is, is kind of a, a battle, right? Like, you know, you, somebody in your house likes it hot. Somebody in the house likes it cooler. And somebody's always going over, turning it up. And somebody else is coming over. Who turned that up? We got to keep that down, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you, you, you like it warm. I remember my, my grandmother, um, uh, as she was, she was getting older, she had an apartment and uh, we would go over to visit her and she liked it hot. Like she was always cold and she liked the temperature up and hot. Literally when we would open up the door to go in before we ever entered, as we opened up the door, I could feel the heat. Anybody have somebody like that? You just, whoo, I could just feel the heat. Uh, and I said, man, if I'm going to come in here, I'm wearing short sleeves. Like it might be like single digits outside, but if I'm visiting grandma, I mean, I am wearing short sleeves because I just will not be able to make it in, uh, in, in her place. But for myself, I like it cooler in the house. I like it when it's cool, particularly at night. At night, I like it down. I like, I like it cold. I can't sleep if it's too hot. Is there anybody like that? You, you can't sleep if it's, if it's too hot uh, and, uh, and you, you like things cooler. I think we, we have a temp, we have a, 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 you know, there's just something about it that we get kind of obsessed with the temperature of things. We like it hot. We like it cold. We, we kind of prefer certain things when it comes to the temperature. And, uh, and so today I want to talk about temperature, but today I want to talk about your spiritual temperature. I want to talk about your spiritual temperature. I want to talk about the spiritual temperature today. Are you hot? Are you cold? Or maybe your spiritual temperature is lukewarm. Uh, as we are, sometimes we talk about this temperature, the question is, are we as passionate about Jesus as we once were when we first came to faith in Christ and recognized how much we needed his grace and his mercy in our, in our lives? Or maybe the passion has died down some. You see, I think that, that sometimes uh, if we're not careful, we might find ourselves in a place where we can get discouraged. How many have ever found yourself in a place where you've gotten discouraged in your faith? I think that sometimes when it, when it comes to faith, we can get distracted. You ever found yourself distracted? You were, you were on fire and maybe you started out January. I am, I'm going to get this right. I'm starting in this reading plan and here we are the beginning of February and you're like, yeah, I missed a few days here or there. I'm really behind. I don't know. My excitement kind of died down from, 
from where I wanted to be. I think that sometimes we can get tired. I don't know about you, but this has been a year where, you know, uh, over the last couple of years, it's really been tiring. And I think we can find ourselves getting tired and uh, feeling a little burnout uh, at, at, at times. Perhaps the fire that you once had to grow in your relationship with the Lord's died down. Apathy and complacency and compromise have the opportunity, if we're not careful, to slowly creep in and we don't even recognize it. And so today, uh, I, I want to introduce the subject, Ignite. Ignite. And this is not just a, a sermon series that we're going to take a look at in terms of how do we ignite our faith, but it is a theme that I believe that the Lord put on my heart uh, for our church and for our church body for this coming year. I believe that as I was praying and seeking the Lord about what did 2022 look like, the word ignite just kept coming over and over and over again into my heart that God wants to ignite some things in our lives, to ignite our passion for him, to ignite our faith once again, to ignite our worship, to ignite our, our community outreach and evangelism. I believe that God wants to ignite faith in us this year in 2022. I, I was impressed by the, the Holy Spirit and I just wanna read what I, what I wrote as I was praying and I felt like the Holy Spirit was just putting this on my heart. I, I felt like the Lord said that some of uh, his followers have found themselves distracted, discouraged, that discord and fear and cultural attacks has diminished the passion that we once had for Jesus. And I felt like God say, this year, this year, I want to do something. This year, I want to reignite. I don't want to ignite that passion once again. I want to ignite that unity and community once again. How many know the battles are real, real aren't they? There, there are very real battles, and there are spiritual battles that are going on. And those spiritual battles of the enemy are designed to take us off track, to take us off course, and to quench the light and the flame of, uh, of the Lord, to diminish the passion, to choke out God's word and his fruitfulness that he desires for our lives. And I believe that, that God wants us to be fruitful. But busy schedules, cultural influences, moral compromise impact the fire and the passion for God in our lives. In fact, a scripture that, that really kind of encompasses this is what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. Here's his admonishment to the church. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. The Greek word for fervent is zeo, Z-E-O. The Greek word zeo, it means to boil with heat. To boil with heat. So what it means is, is there's a mandate to keep the fire and the passion for God burning in our lives. That as believers in Jesus Christ, there ought to be a fire that doesn't go out, but we ought to be red hot for the Lord. That no matter what the spiritual climate around us, God wants us to stay ignited and on fire for him. Matthew 24, 12, Jesus warned this in the last days. He says this, sin will be rampant everywhere. How many would say amen? In the last days, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Will grow cold. 
I think if we take a look at, at, at the spiritual climate around us today and even within his church, I would, I would say that this is coming true, that this warning of Jesus is something that we ought to pay attention to. And in Revelation, there were two churches that Jesus warned out of the seven churches that he spoke to, two churches that he warned about letting the fire die out. The first was the church of Ephesus. In fact, today as we get into 2 Timothy, Timothy was the pastor of Ephesus. Paul had left him in charge. And later on, John has this revelation of Jesus and Jesus is writing to the churches and the churches in the area of Ephesus. To the church in Ephesus, he wrote, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love each other as you once did at first. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Something has changed. Your love relationship with me is not what it was at first. Your love for one another is not what it was at first. Something has happened. I have this against you. And then the church in Laodicea, I know the things that you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, but since you're lukewarm, neither hot or cold. I'll spit you out of my mouth over and over and over again in scripture are warnings against lukewarmness, our warnings against letting our love grow cold, our warnings against letting our love relationship with Jesus and the fire that we once had for him to die out. And yet Paul encourages us to not be lacking, never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Keep your faith strong. And that that requires a battle. That's a daily battle, isn't it? To keep those fires stoked is a daily battle. It it is a a daily spiritual discipline. So today I want to take a look at some, some encouragement that Paul had written to his son in the faith, Timothy. And uh, Timothy was a young man that Paul had been discipling. He was the son of a, a Greek father and a Jewish mother. He had an interesting heritage living in, a, in the Roman culture. His father was Greek. His father was a Gentile. His mother was a, 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 a Jew. And so he had this unique influence on his life. The influence of his father and also the influence of his mother and as we will read, his grandmother as well. And he became a, became a part of Paul's team, Paul's missionary team during his travels. Paul oftentimes would, would send Timothy or leave Timothy behind to some of the churches that had been planted to offer discipleship and leadership and encouragement to these churches. And at the writing of Paul's second letter to Timothy, Paul is in Rome and he's under arrest. Now, the the first arrest, you might remember if you read through the book of Acts, Paul had had been arrested when he was in Jerusalem. He had gone back to Jerusalem, had reported things that were going on in his missionary travels. And uh, there was a lot of talk uh, that was going on, a lot of misinformation that was happening about Paul and what Paul was preaching, that Paul was leaving the Jewish faith, that he was discounting the law of God because he was not requiring the Gentiles to go through circumcision and to follow the law. 
And so they said to Paul, why don't you go into the temple and, and offer your vows that you have made and show the people that as a Jew, you still follow the law and, and, and honor those ways. And, and Paul had gone in there and there were some people that had saw him around town with a Gentile and they began to lie about him and say that he had brought a Gentile into the temple, which you should not do in that way. And it created this entire ruckus and Paul was arrested and the Jews in that area wanted him dead. They tried in conspiracies to, 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 to try him and to get the Romans to, to, to give the penalty of death to him, but there was no, nothing that, that they could find. They tried conspiracies. They wanted him brought back to Jerusalem for trial and they were going to await. They had a whole group that was going to wait and they were going to ambush and kill him that way. They wanted Paul dead. So Paul was under arrest and he said, I appeal to Caesar. And so to Caesar, you must go. And the, the latter parts of the book of Acts are all uh, Paul's journey into to Rome. And there he's under house arrest while he waits. Well, at that point, he, there was something, we don't see it in the book of Acts, but history says that, that at some point he was found not to be guilty. He was released at one point, but now a second time as he's writing this letter, he has been arrested a second time. And this time there is a, a, a king in Rome, a Caesar in Rome, a leader in Rome by the name of Nero. Anybody ever heard of Nero? Yeah, Nero's known as fire, right? He was, he was the one who, who brought heavy persecution upon believers. He wanted to rebuild Rome and, and people didn't want that. And so he, there, you know, there's many theories on this, but that he had set fire to parts of Rome because, you know, you can rebuild it. If you set it on fire and it burns down, you get to rebuild it. But he didn't want to take the blame for it. So he blamed Christians. And so he began heavy persecution, setting some of them on fire, the things that you see in the Roman Colosseum, and it sparked persecution all across the Roman Empire. And so what you have in Paul's second letter is, is that he had, while he is under this second arrest, and, and, and you see that because he talks about not being ashamed of my chains. This is in 2 Timothy. Don't be afraid of my chains. So if he's under house arrest, he wasn't under chain, but now he's under chains. He asked for uh, his, his cloak to be brought to him. He wants Timothy to come to him at some point and, and, and bring this, this cloak, this tunic. Why? Because he's probably cold in a Roman dungeon. At least that's what many believe at this point. But Timothy has been left behind to the church in Ephesus to help lead this church. But as a young man, he's struggling with some things. He's struggling with some, some pressure. He's struggling not only with the pressure of the persecution that's taking place on the outside and the persecution that's taking place to Paul, but if you read the book of Timothy, what you find is, is that there is also some divisive things and some false teaching and things that's going on on the inside. If we go to Paul's first letter to Timothy, he writes this in 1 Timothy 1.3, when I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those who are teach, whose teaching is contrary to the church. So in his first letter, he left Timothy there and says, you've got to confront these false teachers. I'm leaving you there and I'm urging you, stop those who are teaching things that are contrary to the, tr tr to the truth. Later in 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19, 
Paul wrote this. He said, this charge I entrust to you. So he's charging Timothy. I entrust this charge to you, Timothy, my child. And according with the prophecies made about you, that by them you may wage good warfare. How many know when warfare is, is, is mentioned? I mean, you're talking about a battle, right? Good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Timothy, Timothy, you've got to wage good warfare. How many know there's bad warfare and there's good warfare? There's spiritual warfare. There is spiritual warfare that is going on. And because some have ignored this, Paul says they have had shipwreck to their faith. You see, I believe that the Lord has put this message on my heart to speak to you, this congregation of Painesville Assembly of God, because I don't want your faith to be shipwrecked. I don't want in these times for your fire to go out. I don't want in these times for you to be deceived and have the light and the fire and the passion of Jesus go dim in your life. I believe that God wants to ignite a passion in us. I believe that God wants to reignite what he has called us to, what he has charged us to, what he has entrusted us to. But it means that we've got to wage good warfare. It means we've got to understand the spiritual battle that we're in and that there is a real enemy who wants to shipwreck our faith. One final encouragement, 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 20. He says this, O Timothy, look at the words guard. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irrelevant babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Guard. The deposit that's been entrusted to you. There was, there was a, a sect that were called the Gnostics at this time. The Gnostics believed that they had gotten secret knowledge from God. That, that God had revealed to them the secret knowledge. They had this secret knowledge apart from the scriptures that were going to help uh, to, to guide God's people. And Paul, Paul over and over in his letters is saying, listen, what has been made has been made plain to you in the scriptures. You, you don't need some secret knowledge. You don't need to get all caught up in all of this Babel and all of these other things thinking that you're missing out. Can I say that I believe that there are some believers who have been shipwrecked over the last year and a half to two years because there are some that are, that are prophesying things that are not of God. Not every person who claims to have a prophet or be a prophet of God is speaking the truth of God. There are some of them that are leading believers in the church in error. And as a result, they have been shipwrecked in their faith. We have to guard the deposit entrusted to you. And avoid certain things that take us off course. Paul was a, a spiritual father to Timothy. And, and, and what he's writing is concern. There is concern 
in these letters. False teachers that plague and have divided the church from within. And persecution that is growing, creating pressure on the outside. And they have been taking their toll on Timothy. Taking their toll on his faith. Taking their toll on his passion and on his boldness and on his zeal. And there's a a great possibility that the spiritual fire of Timothy has cooled down some. How do we know this? Well, 2 Timothy, the second letter here, starting uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 6. This is what Paul writes to Timothy. This is the second time he's written to him. He's talked to him about guarding that deposit of faith. He's talked to him about, about the charge that he has made. But now, in his second letter to Timothy, he says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame, to fan into flame, fan into flame the gift of God. Paul writes to fire up Timothy's faith. He is writing to encourage and and fire, put put a, a fire in Timothy's faith that under pressure that he's been facing has cooled down some. So today I want to just briefly share with you some principles to fanning the flame that we see here. Principles to fanning the flame, to getting the flame going, to ignite your faith. Number one is this, remember what Christ has done in you and for you. Remember what Christ has done in you and for you. If we look at the context of these verses, I think that, that the, the verses are written in a way that, that in the context call for memory, call for remembering things. I want to start in verse 3, all right? 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, because this is the, the context, and we'll read the verse after in a little bit, but the context in which this is written. And it opens like this, Paul, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. And here it is, as I, look at the word, remember, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember, here's a second time it's used, remember your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded, that's a version of remember, I'm reminded as I think back, I'm remembering, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelled in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, based on these things, based on what I'm remembering, based on what I know, I'm encouraging you, Timothy, to remember. I'm reminding you of where you were. I'm reminding you of the heritage you have. I'm reminding you that I've been praying for you. I'm reminding you of the sincerity of your faith. For this reason, let me remind you, you've got to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. You've got to fan into flame. It's not something you can just light once and let it go. It's not something you can just start and then that's it. I came down to the altar and I prayed a prayer and now I'm saved and I'm good and I don't have to do anything else. I never see that in scripture. Ever. Ever. It's not like calling up your insurance agent saying, I need some fire insurance for my house. 
I need some insurance. I sign on the dotted line. I trust that it's just there. It's good. It's a one and done kind of thing. It's not a one and done kind of thing. Faith is not a one and done kind of thing. Faith is the ebb and flow. There are some that have great faith and there are times where we struggle in our faith. And Paul says, Timothy, let me remind you of something. You've got to remember something every day. You've got to fan into flame. The gift of God is in you. And you do that by remembering where you came from, by remembering what's in you, by remembering the sincerity of your faith and the heritage that you have. Remember where you were. How many of you remember what it was like when you first gave your life to Christ? When you were first saved, when you first recognized that you were, that you were a sinner in need of grace. I, I've grown up in the church. Can I just be honest with you? I mean, I don't remember a time I wasn't in church. I think my, my parents had me and then I think the next week I was in the nursery or something. I don't know. I, I don't remember ever a time, but, but being in church is not the answer, right? That's important. And I thank God for my godly inheritance. But at some point in time, I came to a place where I recognized, you know what, I've got, I need Jesus for myself. I, I, I recognize, man, I need salvation. I recognize that, that I am not a good person, that I'm a sinner saved by grace. I think sometimes we forget. But when we, if you remember back, when you, when you came to Christ, you were like, man, I'm so excited. Man, Jesus, have you met Jesus? You tell everybody, right? You know, like a good product you find. You know, if you, you find something that really works and, man, it's really good and you enjoy it or a good restaurant, you go and you get a good meal and you find, what do you find yourself doing? You're telling people, hey, have you been to that restaurant? Hey, have you tried this product? Hey, have you done this? It's just something that naturally flows. But I think over time, we forget, we forget, we forget how good God is. We forget what God has done. And we let the, the passion and the flame begin to die out in our lives we let the spiritual fire burn down and rather than serving God out of a, a passion a desire and a love we begin to find ourselves with an obligation that we have remember to honor and what a privilege it is to serve the Lord let me encourage you that fanning into the flame of the gift of God is remembering back to the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus that called you that caused you to fall in love with him all, all, all over for the first time. To, to remember what that's like. But we get busy, we get hurt, we get tired, we get distracted. And we forget the genuine love that we once had. The problem with the church of Ephesus, as we saw in Revelation chapter 2, they were commended for their work. If you, if you read the beginning of, of Revelation chapter 2, they were commended for their works. They were commended despite the persecution for their endurance. They were, they were, they were called and remembered for those that were false teachers by, 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 by taking care of that and making sure they were guarding that and not doing that. Yet, yet, even in the midst of all of that, they had left, they had forgotten. Let the fires, the embers die down of their first love relationship. With Jesus it had gone cold and he said I I have this against you that you've abandoned the love that you had at first but then then he says this here's the antidote here's the antidote right here here's how to stir that back up remember therefore where you have fallen repent and do the works you did at first remember remember 
Remember what it was like. It begins when we remember, when we remember that genuine love. We remember why the sincerity and why we began to follow the Lord in the beginning. Friends, let me encourage you that that all that's been happening to our culture and all that's been happening around us, maybe the embers of your faith have been dimming. You've just kind of settled into some kind of a a routine and some kind of a thing that that has not caused you to be passionate about Jesus. Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame by remembering what it was like at first. Secondly, exercise the gift that God has given you. Exercise the gift of God that he's given you. Exercise the gift of God that he's given you. It says in verse 6, I, for this reason our man, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The, the, the word gift there in the Greek is the word charis. It's where we get our English word charisma. You never met anybody with charisma, right? But this is, this, is, this is beyond that. A gift, it's where we get that word from. But really, it's a grace gift. It's a gift of God's grace. It's not something that you earn. How many know you don't earn grace? Grace is a gift. That's why he calls it the gift of God. The gift of God is a grace upon your life. And every one of us has a gift. This gift, he says, that have been imparted through the laying on of my hands. And it's compared to a fire. The gifts of God are compared to a a fire, the the charis. And you know the picture. How many have ever been camping? Or you've had a a fire out in the backyard and you're, you know, making s'mores and roasting marshmallows or hot dogs or you're, you're getting around. When you first light that fire, that fire is just, it's, it's burning, isn't it? And there's, you can feel the heat, particularly if it's a cold fall day, you can, you can feel the heat that's around as you're sitting there. But if you know that if you don't tend to that fire, what happens to that fire? slowly begins to go out and and you can be talking and not even paying attention but you start to feel the brisk cool air and you begin to go hmm something has changed and you look and and the fire's down and the embers and 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 everything are starting to try to smother out the fire and what do you got to do if you take a little poker what can you do you can begin to poke and stir it up right when you begin to poke and stir it up, what happens? You can get that flame back up again. It might take a little bit of everybody, anybody a blower on the flame, right? Some of you are already asleep. A blower on the flame. I know it's hot in here with the temperature. Blow, you know, and you blow on the embers and it can begin to spark up. And that's when you begin to feel that heat again. That's the kind of illustration that Paul is giving Timothy here. You've got to stir the fire. You, you've got to stir it up. You've got to fan it. You've got to blow it in, in a little bit. You've got to get it going again so that you can feel that heat. And he says, well, how do you do that? By stirring up the gift of God that is in you. How many of you know God has given you gifts? God has given you gifts. Every believer, there is gifts in you. God has given a grace to you. You have gifts that have been given. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's a divine enablement for the power of the Holy Spirit. We call it the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul admonishes believers in Rome, Romans 12, 6, since we have gifts, that's the the word charismata from the the same word charisma, differing according to the grace, the charis given to us, let us exercise them accordingly. Now, I'm not a good example of this. At one point, I was exercising a lot, ran a half marathon, was out running. I haven't done that in a long time. Confession time. All right. 
And guess what happens when you stop exercising? How many of you know? Don't look at your spouse. All right. How many of you know when you stop exercising, what happens? You start to lose the muscle that's built up. You start to lose a little something. Friends, the gifts aren't given to be laying dormant inside of us for us to sit on them. The gifts that God has given us are for us to use them. And as you use them and begin to depend upon the grace of God in your life, God begins to stir up a flame and ignite a passion in your life. Some of you are not passionate because you have stopped serving. You have stopped using your gifts. You have said, I've done that for years. It's somebody else's turn. Some of you have gotten busy putting other things ahead of the Lord and you haven't been serving the Lord and using the gifts of God. You haven't been serving and doing what God has called you to do. And because of that, your flame is going out and your faith is lessening. In 2022, I believe it's time to reignite once again that the church would start using the gifts that God has given. Not just the pastor on a platform, but the people in the pews saying, it is my responsibility, not just the pastor's responsibility. It is for me to use what God has given me to serve if I'm going to impact my community. Paul warns, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, to not quench the spirit. Sometimes I like, we think we like to use that in the, you know, just with the gifts of the spirit and a public worship setting and, you know, oh, we're going to quench the spirit. But I think we can do that personally in our lives when God begins to whisper in our ear and stir our hearts to serve in some way, to use our gifts in some way. And we say, oh, I'm not doing that. I don't have time for that. That's not me. Do not quench the spirit. Don't let the fire be put out. Keep in step with the spirit. Follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. Stir up the gift by not quenching and neglecting the spirit of God, but let it blaze like a fire inside of you. Thirdly, to do this, you've got to rely on the resources that God provides. 1 Timothy 1.7, this is what follows, all right? I, let, I, let me remind you to fan in the flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. And then he says this, for, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Now, let me give you a little background in case you didn't know it about Timothy, but Timothy, one of his personal weaknesses of Timothy was the lack of confidence and perhaps being too timid. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 10, Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church. When Timothy comes, he was sending him at that point to Corinth. And we know when we did our Corinthian study that Paul had some major conflicts with the Corinthian church and head to head. And he's sending Timothy there. Can you only imagine what a difficult task that would be? And he says to him, when Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear <laughs> while he is with you. For he's carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. Timothy struggled with the spirit of fear. He struggled with intimidation. And, and it was causing the fire of his faith and the boldness of his message to dim. 
Author and evangelist John Bevere in his book, Breaking Intimidation, he points out this. He says, the Greek word for spirit in this passage, 1 Timothy 1.7, is, is the word pneuma, which is the same word used for the Holy Spirit, or throughout scripture, it can also be used for spirit of man, a demon, or according to Strong's Concordance, uh, intimidation. And he says, intimidation is not an attitude or disposition, it is a spirit. Now, I, I'm not trying to be overly spiritual, but Paul also said to put on the full armor of God. There is a very real spiritual battle. The, the, it's not a battle against flesh and blood, but there are principalities and powers in high places. Do not deny the fact that there are demonic influences and there are demonic spirits that are at work in our world. They are at work against your faith. They are at work to smother your faith. And one of those that is mentioned here is a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. It is a spiritual force that works against what God wants to do. Spirit of fear. And, and, and so there was, there was all kinds of things happening here, right? Since spirit, it's something that you can't fight with intellect or will or physical strength. You have to understand this spiritual battle that's involved has to be fought in the spirit. Understanding the spiritual battle that's involved against fear and intimidation. And so to understand this, you've got to understand the context. Again, what's happening on the outside? Increased persecution against the church. And we're going to see this further in the letter of 2 Timothy. There's increased persecution against the church. There's persecution against Paul and his message. He's already been arrested. He's in chains. He's in a Roman dungeon, in a Roman prison at this point. And then within the church, there are these cultural influences and false teachers that are seeking to divide the church that Timothy has been commissioned to lead. And with that, Timothy, being a, a young man as well, is struggling with this spirit of fear. Let's go on from verse 7 and look at verses 8 and 9. Therefore, do not be ashamed, okay? Don't be ashamed. God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and sound mind. Then the word therefore, that's a connecting word. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Why? Because fear tends to diminish the testimony that we give through Jesus Christ, about Jesus Christ. The reason we don't talk about Christ, the reason we don't share our faith, the reason we're not open, that we're a believer and we hold the biblical values, let's be honest, because because we're afraid because we're ashamed because our culture turns it upside down and says if you hold to these biblical values you are really narrow in your belief you don't really love that's hate speech we can't have the bible all up in here you can't be speaking that stuff about jesus Spirit of fear. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. 
power, love, sound mind by the power of God. Whose resources? His resources. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't give in to the spirit of fear. Don't give in to the spirit of intimidation. How do you not give in? Fan into flame. Fan into flame the gift of God. Fan into flame the gift of God and learn to lean on his resources that he is the one who's come to give you power and love and of a sound mind. The enemy is always trying to use uh, intimidation and fear to hinder the testimony and the work of Jesus. The enemy wants to use fear to keep us bound and to keep us quiet and ineffective. He uses both false teachers and, and disunity on the inside and he uses the pressure of persecution on the outside to squelch the message. It's not new. He's been doing it for years. Let me give you another example. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3 and 4, this is after the day of Pentecost had come and they went from house to house and all of that. And during that time frame, Peter and John are going up to the temple and, and, and they're going up at the hour of prayer. And while they're going up to the hour of prayer, there is a lame man who is begging by the side of the road, begging for alms. And Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, and now they rise up and walk. And the man gets up and, and, and they take him by the hand. He gets up he's walking he's dancing he's praising God well how many know outside the temple when people are coming for prayer that's going to make quite a stir and in that time Peter says this is an opportunity and begins to preach about Jesus Christ and him crucified he begins to preach about what what had happened in these things and trying to lead people to salvation in the name of Jesus that it was by the name of Jesus that this man was healed and there were people in the the Pharisees or the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin that were there and they said wait what is this message I thought we killed that Jesus guy why does this keep coming up and they said we got to do something there's a crowd that's happening and so they arrested Peter and John you can read it, Acts chapter 3 and 4. They arrested them, and they began to question them, and they said, whose name are you doing these things in? And they said, it's in Jesus, who you crucified, by the way, but who God raised from the dead. And they said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you, you can't be talking about this name, this name G. You can't be talking about Jesus. And they recognized these were uneducated men. They were, they were uneducated, just common, ordinary men, except that they had been with Jesus. The power that they were working in was not based on their education. It was not based on, on, on their, 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 their own personal gifts. It was based on the fact that they had been with Jesus and they possessed his Holy Spirit. And they began to boldly proclaim about Jesus. And they, they get them together and they say this in Acts 4, 4, 17 and 18. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, that's the message of Jesus, in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. So they called them and they charged them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Friends, that's a spirit of intimidation. That's a spirit of intimidation. The spirit of intimidation designed to quench the word of God in the name of Jesus. It says you can't talk in Jesus' name. You can't preach in Jesus' name. You can't, you can't do these things in Jesus' name. You can't talk. Don't talk about this. Don't spread this. Don't share this. Don't, don't do this. That's intimidation. And in that spirit, they try to threaten and intimidate the message of Jesus that is being shared. And of course, the disciples in that moment, Peter and John, they, they're like, no way, Jose. We ain't doing that. Is it right to obey you or obey God? 
No way, we're not doing that. And they beat them and they send them away. Okay? Now, what do they do? There's this fear, this intimidation. If you talk in Jesus' name, you're going to be arrested. You're going to be beaten. You're going to do this again. And you know what? We're going to make an example out of you so that anybody else who talks in Jesus' name knows that this is what's coming. We're warning you. This is what's coming. And there could have been great fear that squelched out the message of God. So what do they do? They went and signed a petition all together that they were not going to do this. No, that's not what they did. That's not what they did. They held up picket signs. No, that's not what they did. They ran for Caesar's office. No, that's not what they did. Acts 4, 23 and 24, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. Let me just pause. What did they do? They said, hey, we got to go back. Let me share with you the intimidation. Let me share with you what's being done, what's being said. Let's pray about this together. Let's pray about this. Let's come together and let's begin to pray. Let's come together and let's begin to call on the name of God. Not not isolate. I'm not going to go and pray by myself. Let me come together. Let me share with you and be honest about the intimidation and honest about what's going on. And let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. Right? And, and, and they did. And you can read the entire prayer that's there. But I want to I get to the result, right? Because they, they pray in faith or community. They come together in community. In verse 31, Acts 4, 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And continued, continued to speak the word of God with boldness. With boldness. They went back to God and they prayed and God empowered them that their light would not go out, but rather their zeal would continue and they would continue to proclaim the name of God with boldness. Why? What was the resource that they had? Was it they went back and they studied a little more? Was it they went back and they programmed a little more? No, they went back and they prayed so that they might be filled with the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that gave them the boldness to continue to do the work that God had called them to do. The Holy Spirit ignited a boldness in them that continue to speak his word. And Acts 4.33 says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And God's grace was powerfully at work in them all. In them all. (laughs) God's grace was powerfully at work. Timothy, Timothy, stir up the gift of God. That is within you by the laying on of my hands. Timothy, stir up the gift of God. God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Don't let, don't let the fear, don't let the intimidation keep you and hold you back from what God has called you to do. Don't let the intimidation squelch the fire that has been put inside of you and the calling that has put inside of you. Don't let it squelch it out, but fan it into flame. Ignite the flame and preach the word of God. With boldness. We need to ask the Lord for his resources, his power, his love, his discipline, so that we can boldly live with Jesus against the pressures of this world. Worship team, will you come? Because here's the question that I have for you. Is your fire burning brightly or is it time to trim the wick?
Is it time to tend the fire of God in your life or have you allowed the pressures that are going on and the, the cultural influences to squelch out God's flame and fire in your life? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.